You are listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, York Region. For more information, visit harvestyorkregion.ca. Well, what an amazing morning. Uh, Great worship, uh, great testimonies. God is faithful. God is good, right? Amen. Amen. Hey, let's take our Bibles this morning and turn to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. Our message this morning is entitled, Happening Now, Suffering. Bet you're glad you came to church now, aren't you? (laughs) Happening now, suffering. We all experience it. There isn't a person in this room who hasn't or won't suffer. Suffering is a result of a fallen world uh, that we live in. And so uh, no one is exempt from it, and certainly Christians are not exempt from it. And as a matter of fact, some of the suffering we will go through, we'll go through simply because we are followers of Jesus Christ. Happening now, suffering. Sometime, somewhere, somehow, someone. For the follower of Jesus Christ, suffering is a tool. It's a tool that God uses sometimes to get our attention or to accomplish his purposes in our lives. It's designed to build our trust in the Almighty. So what is it? What is suffering? Well, simply defined, suffering is anything that hurts or irritates. Uh, Maybe the sound of my voice is causing you to suffer this morning. It can be from the greatest thing to the smallest thing. It could be the report you got about your cancer, or it could be about your sore throat. It could be about an illness or a loss of someone who is close to you. It may be suffering because of personal failure or disappointment. It may be the loss of a job or the loss of a friend or the failure in schoolwork and you feel like you're suffering. It may be rumors that go on about you in the workplace or in your neighborhood or, God forbid, but even in your church. It can be anything that ranges from something small and irritating to having to face the lion in the lion's den as with Daniel. Ecclesiastes 7.14 says, In the day of prosperity, be joyful. And in the day of adversity, consider God has made the one as well as the other, so that man may not find out anything that will be after him. Happening now, suffering. You've got your Bibles open. Let's stand. We want to honor God as we read his word. I'm going to read uh, from verses 12 to the end of chapter. 1 Peter chapter 4. Beloved, Okay, he's writing to the church, remember. He's writing to us. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's suffering so that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it is the time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, What will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? 
Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Father, thank you for uh, the testimonies that uh, we heard this morning. Uh, Three people who talked about suffering that they had gone through, maybe suffering that they had brought upon themselves, but realizing their need for the Savior, Jesus Christ. And yet, Lord, the path isn't finished for them. It's just beginning. And they too, along with each of us, will suffer in some ways. We live in a fallen world. So God, would you give us ears to hear your word today and minds that we might understand it and then passionate hearts to follow after you as we hear your word and do it for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you. You can take your seats. Sometime, somehow, somewhere, someone, um, we're all going to suffer. Uh, the questions for us today are something like this. Um, how am I responding to it? The suffering that you're facing these days, how are you responding to it? How, how should you be responding to it? Am I learning from it? Does my response demonstrate faith and love for God and for others? Does it demonstrate a Christ-like characters and values that demonstrate Christ in me, the hope of glory? And how can you, God use this in my life? Told you this before, but when uh, Sue, uh, she was involved in a motor vehicle accident and uh, um, hips broken and SI joint messed up and crushed lower leg. And I remember she was in the hospital and I went in one day and she said, uh, I'm not sure what God wants to teach me, but I want to learn it the first time. <laughs> See, she was suffering. But she wanted to know what God was doing in it. She wanted to know how God was going to use it. And that just spoke of her godliness and her desire to learn from the Lord. And so suffering is coming and it's coming on all of us. So let's, let's take a look at the text. Let's dive right in. In verse 12, a lot of P's this morning. Here's the first one. It's promised. It's promised. It's for everyone and it's promised. Beloved, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Suffering is coming. It happens in the world. It happens for everyone. It happens in the church. It happens to believers. The issue is how do we deal with it? So let's answer the question first of all, what are the general causes of suffering? Suffering is caused by the fall of man. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden and that relationship, that fellowship was broken, a suffering began. They didn't suffer before that and there's been suffering ever since and that's a reality of the cause of suffering. But sometimes we suffer because of our own foolishness. There are people who are out there who they like to say this, they love to say, it's either from God or it's from the devil. It's either from God or it's from the devil. How about you're just an idiot? Sometimes the suffering we go through, we bring on ourselves. Illustration of it. Uh, the little uh, 14-year-old kid who wants to ride his skateboard and, and do some tricks on the ramps and decides, I'm not going to wear a helmet, nor knee pads or elbow pads. And he goes up and he lands on his elbows, knees, and head at the same time. Don't blame God and don't blame the devil. You're just an idiot. It's what happens to us. And so sometimes the suffering that we go through, we bring it on ourselves. Even as followers of Christ, we're going to see it in the text. He says, stay away from those things so that you don't suffer like that. So sometimes our suffering is because we're foolish. Suffering is always because we live in a fallen world. 
But sometimes suffering comes because God is growing us up and he's disciplining us. And there's some things we need to learn. There's some rough edges that need to be worked off. And and God allows us to go through some things and even causes some things so that he can discipline us to conform us to the image of Jesus Christ. And in a world where the rain falls on the just and the unjust, we sometimes go through difficult times because God is disciplining us. He's growing us up. And at the end, we'll be refined and it will be a far greater thing than at the beginning. Sometimes we suffer because of persecution, because of our faith. We take a stand for biblical truth, suffering for righteousness sake. We don't do a lot of this in Canada, at least not a lot that really hurts, not physically. People around the world understand what this suffering is, where they make their stand for the Lord Jesus Christ and they put their faith out there in China or in North Korea and they end up in prison or even worse or, or in the Middle East right now, what's happening to believers as they seek to follow Christ and these people are willing to stand up for the Lord Jesus Christ knowing that that's what God has called them to and sometimes people suffer because of their faith. But that can happen in North America. It happens differently in North America so often. Uh, it can be, I'm going to make my stand in the workplace. I'm not going to cut corners. I'm not going to do illegal deals. I'm not going to do the thing that would dishonor the Lord. And it might cost you a promotion or it might cost you a relationship in the workplace or it might cost you your job. Uh, You make your stand in your community and you don't get involved in things that other people get involved in in your community. And, and then they don't have anything to do with you anymore. And, And it hurts. Sometimes we suffer because of persecution, because of our faith. And sometimes we suffer just because it's a satanic attack that comes on us. Job went through this, where where, um, Satan went to God and said, you watch, he'll curse you. He won't curse me. And uh, Satan had the ability to test and try. And Job went through it. But he was faithful to God. That's some of the general causes of suffering. So back to our text. Beloved, don't be surprised when the fiery trial comes. It is coming and it comes on everyone. It doesn't matter if you're a believer or not a believer. We all suffer. The question is, what are we going to do with suffering and what will be the result of our suffering? Some of the things about suffering, just really quick because we don't have time to go through them all, but the nature of suffering. Obvious, suffering is painful. It's never easy. It's called suffering. If it was easy, they would have called it easiness. It's not. It's suffering and it's painful. Sometimes it's perplexing. As a follower of Jesus Christ, you're seeking to be faithful to God and you're like, why is this stuff happening to me? This is what's supposed to happen to people who don't love you, God. Why, why do you allow these hard things to come to me? Well, I gave you some of the reasons and maybe God is refining you or disciplining you or maybe it's because you're just a goofball or maybe it's because there's sin or, and God is refining you. God's doing a work. But it can be perplexing and not understanding the why. It's purposeful. It teaches us. It tests us. According to James 1-2, that the trial comes and it says, remain under the trial. Don't try and squirm out from underneath it because, hey, follower of Christ, you're going to learn the lesson one way or another. You squirm out from it here. The Lord, if he's teaching you a thing, you're going to go through it. So it tests us. It's a process. Suffering doesn't usually happen in a moment. Usually it's a process that we go through to get to whatever the end will be. Suffering purifies us, conforms us to the image of Christ. 
Suffering gives us opportunity, opportunity to glorify God and opportunity before those who we live with and are around. Suffering, if it's to be successful in our life for God's glory, requires our cooperation. We need to be a part of the answer. We are a part of the solution in what we do in our suffering. Suffering is inevitable. We saw that in our text. It's a struggle. It's a battle. But here's some things you also need to know. Suffering is limited in duration. Suffering is limited in duration. You're like, well, you know, but you don't know what I've had. And I've had it for 15 years. And the doctor said it's not going away. Hey, follower of Jesus Christ, it's going away. It is going away. I'm not going to bring you up here and whack you on the head and knock you down and it's going to go away. It's not going away maybe on this side of heaven, but it is going to go away. And you'll spend eternity with God without that suffering. Sue's dad was in the hospital, and over the last a couple of years, he's, gone, he's, he's legally blind and basically without hearing aids. He's totally deaf. And while he was in the hospital, I told you some of you this before, he, Sue was out of the room, and he said to me, I can't wait to get to heaven. I can't wait to get to heaven. Why, Dad? Because then I'll be able to see again. Then I'll be able to see perfectly again. See, he gets it. The suffering that we have now is for now, and it's in this world, and it's a part of the fall that we live in, but... It has a duration. It's limited in scope. And Job was tested, but not to his death. And God protected him. And here's the last thing about our suffering, is we win. We win. That's the heaven part. Regardless of whether the suffering goes on as long as we're on this earth, at the end, we win. And we will be with him in paradise. Happening now, suffering, it's promised. Well, how does it all come together? How does that all work out for us? Well, it helps us to understand the person because that's the way we have our comfort and our hope is in the person of Jesus Christ. Look at uh, verse 13. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's suffering. Rejoice insofar as you share Christ's suffering so that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. We're going to come back to the glory is revealed part. That's the part where we're going to be with him. And that's amazing. But here he talks about the person who is the example of our suffering. We can only really share in Jesus' suffering because he partook in our humanity. The Lord Jesus Christ came. He left heaven to come to earth. Big downgrade. He left heaven to come to earth. He lived a sinless life in a sinful world. And they took him and they hung him on a cross and they killed him. They shed his blood so that your sin and my sin could be forgiven. They took him off the cross. They put him in a tomb and they thought, It's done, and it wasn't done because he rose again, and he's now at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. That's all awesome, but here's the reality. Go back to what the text is talking about of the example for us in our suffering. Our tendency is to embrace all of the amazing things that Jesus did for us. And that's right. We need to embrace the working of salvation. We need to embrace the glory that is ours. We need to embrace the joy that comes as a follower of Jesus Christ. But we need to embrace the suffering Savior because we're all called to suffer. We should never deny the place of suffering and building godliness in the Christian life. Hebrews 5.8 said this about Jesus. He learned obedience through what he 
suffered. If suffering is a suitable tool to teach Jesus, it's a suitable tool to teach me. Those who have suffered more in Jesus will rejoice more in his coming. It doesn't mean you have to suffer more to be saved, but when you understand what Christ does and you live out of the hope and it comes back to you over and over and you live out of the abundance of what Christ has done for you, one day you'll stand before God and we will be in heaven. And I just can't help believe that person who suffered more will be woohoo in a different way that everybody else who doesn't deserve to be there either stands before God. And we'll give him the glory. That's the person because of Jesus Christ Here's the privilege. It's found in verse 14. If you're insulted for the, same, for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, to be insulted because one belongs to Christ is a blessing. It's a natural result for everyone. But your suffering in Christ is a blessing. Blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and say, all manner of evil against you for my name's sake. It's a privilege to be able to stand for Jesus Christ. Pretty easy to do it in this room. Most of you aren't very antagonistic towards me. I can see that in your faces. It's pretty easy in this room, but blessed are you when your neighbor and your coworker, and your mom, or your dad, or your friend, or the person on the bus, blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. It's a privilege to suffer for Jesus Christ. It shows that we're really following Christ when we are called to suffer and when we identify with him. You're like, well, I don't have any of that going on in my life. Nobody's ever saying anything about me. Nobody's, well, that's a big problem. Big problem. Hashtag fail. Big problem. If, if people can't tell that you're a follower of Jesus Christ, then what evidence is there that you are a follower of Jesus Christ? If you just go along in the workplace with all the things that go along, you just go along in the school, if you just compromise like everybody else does, what demonstration is there that you are a follower of Christ? It's a privilege to follow him. And here's a cool thing in this, and that is when we are called to suffer because of Christ, um, Look in that verse, if you are insulted, verse 14, for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. You see, you're like, well, I don't know. If I make my stand, what's gonna happen? I could lose my job. Yes, you could. And God will take care of you. But, 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 but I could lose my friends. Yes, you could. But God will take care of you. I could lose my position. Yes, you could. But God will take care of you. How? Because God's spirit will be on you. God's spirit will help you. I don't think I can do it. You can't. But with God's help, you can. With God's spirit in you, the hope of glory. Yes, you can. We do it because of the person and the work of Jesus Christ. It should be a privilege for us to make our stand for the one who saved us. Here's the next word. Pitiful. Pitiful. 
Don't be verse 15. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. You're going to suffer, church. At some way, somehow, sometime, somewhere you're going to suffer. But don't let these things be the reason. This is, the, this is where you're bringing it on yourself and you're causing your own thing. And he uses some interesting illustrations here. He says, uh, don't, don't suffer as a murderer. Okay, I can tell you with 100% surety, the police are not coming into this building today to arrest me for murder. I didn't kill anyone. But don't let that happen. You're like, well, okay, that's, that's pretty easy. I, I, check. Check. I'm okay. Check. See, I, I believe he really starts with the biggest thing, the, the oh, hallelujah thing, the big one. And, uh, and then he kind of goes down and he gets to our heart. Uh, this is the one where it's like, me on you, you're dead. Don't you suffer because you did that. But even if you did, as a follower of Christ, there is forgiveness and there is restoration, regardless of how that might have happened. There are all of those things, but okay, that's not going to happen. Nobody's coming in to arrest me for murder because I've never murdered anyone. And so he goes on to the next one and he says, um, but don't suffer. Don't be pitiful. Don't suffer as a thief. The first one has a direct impact. The last, next one has less impact, less direct impact. I'm, I'm away in Florida. Somebody breaks into my house and they steal all the jewels we have. Don't bother breaking in our house you'll be disappointed, but they steal all the jewels we have and the TV's gone and the computer's gone. It has less direct impact. He says, don't, don't even be involved in those things. You're like, well, I'm not breaking into anybody's house. I'm not stealing anything. Well, okay, what about at the job? What about at the workplace? What about stealing time from your employer? What about taking things that don't belong? You're like, well, everybody does it. The boss even knows we do it and he doesn't care. No, no, no don't do it. As a follower of Jesus Christ, don't ever find yourself suffering because you're a thief. Less direct impact than a murderer, but still very impactful. The next one he goes on to, and he says, don't suffer as a murderer and don't suffer as a thief. And you're like, oh, okay, okay. How about this one? Don't suffer as an evil, don't suffer as an evildoer. It's hidden, it's more subtle, it's behind the scenes and, and you're in the workplace or with your family or in your friendships and, and you find yourself stabbing somebody in the back. They don't really know you're doing it, you're just doing it. Don't ever find yourself suffering because you're doing that kind of ridiculous stuff. And then one more he says, don't suffer as a meddler. It's a busybody, busybody a gossip. Someone who just needs to know everything that's going on and yip, 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 yip to everybody about it. I do know you hear about that guy. You know what's going on in his life. You know what's going on. And you're just like, you got to know what's going on and you got to be in it and you got to be telling everybody and stop it. Don't find yourself as a follower of Jesus Christ suffering for those kind of things. So he's not making a list of everything that a Christian could do that would be ridiculous that they might suffer for. He starts from like the great big one and works its way right down to what we live with every day and the temptation we face. And he says, don't suffer for those kind of things. If you're gonna suffer, suffer for righteousness sake. If you're going to suffer, suffer for the glory of God. Don't be pitiful. And then he goes on in verse 16, he talks about the purpose. Why do we suffer? 
Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. Now, the purpose of our suffering is to bring glory to God. But look what it says there. If anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. The word Christian is only used three times in the Bible. Uh, lots of other words. Um, words that describe this, this, this concept of being a Christian would be to be a believer, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and a Christ one or a Christ follower or a disciple or one who follows in the way. Um, but the word Christian only appears three times. It appears in Acts chapter 11, it appears in Acts chapter 26, and it appears in our text here. And in Acts 11 and Acts 26, in both of those times, it's used by opponents talking about Christians, talking about believers. And it's like, hey, hey, hey you Christians. They were first called Christians. Um, not really a positive thing, but it was how the world said, you are, you are Christ ones, you are Christ followers. And here it's talking about in our suffering, he says, if anyone suffers as a Christian, everyone will suffer. But if anyone suffers as a Christian, here's the cool thing, let him not be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. If you suffer as a Christian, not the things the person in the verse before was doing, not as a meddler or an evildoer or a thief, not as a murderer, but if you suffer truly as a Christian, do not be ashamed. Don't be proud. Don't be yourself. Yeah, yeah, I get to suffer for Jesus. No, it's not like that. But it's, it's quietly, confidently. I'm making my stand for the Lord. People are calling me out for it. But I am not ashamed. Back in Romans chapter 1 and verse 6, Paul really laid this out about salvation. He says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. I'm going to tell everybody I can. I want everyone to know the good news about Jesus Christ. I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. In Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 39, it says, for we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. Don't be ashamed. The purpose is that we would glorify God. The purpose is that his name would be exalted. His fame would be lifted up. But let him glorify God in that name. So when we suffer, it's a testimony. It's a testimony of what God has done. The Bible teaches us that our suffering is a testimony in at least three ways. It's a suffering, it's a testimony to the angels. In Job 1 and 2, we see that what Job was going to go through and what was going to happen, it was going to be an example to the angels. My suffering, your suffering, not only is it an example to the angels, but it's an example to the followers of Christ. It's an example to everyone else in the church. When you're going through your thing, when the wheels fall off your wagon and you're not sure how you're going to go on and you lean in and you trust more and you allow God to work, it's, it's an example to the rest of the church. It's a help. It, it spurs one another on to love and good deeds. 
See, but what so often happens in our lives, it gets hard and we like, oh, I don't know why this is happening. Have I done something wrong? And we start to back away and we back away and we back away. And that's the wrong thing to do. We lean in to help each other, to encourage each other, to spur each other on so that God gets the glory. Because my suffering, not only is it a testimony to the angels, it's a testimony, it's an example to follow fellow believers around us so that when they're going through the hard thing, they will remember how God worked in you. So if you're going through a hard thing right now and you're of the mindset, which I've heard in the last couple of weeks, well, you know what? We're just going to take a little break. Eh, wrong answer. Worst answer. Lean in. Go through the hard thing. Trust the Lord. Be an example. It's an example to the angels. It's an example to believers. It's an example to the world. When you're going through the hard thing and you're not going through it the way everybody else goes through it, it's an example. It's an example of Christ in you, the hope of glory. So it's a testimony. It's a testimony to people. Here's another thing suffering does. It keeps your pride down. It keeps your pride down. Remember uh, Paul, three times, he went to the Lord, asked the Lord to take away his thorn in the flesh. Three times. Lord, would you please take this away? Lord, no, no, please, please, please. Can you imagine, Lord, you can't imagine how much more I could do for you if you would just take this thorn in the flesh away. No, Lord, you're not getting it. I need this thing gone because if it was gone, I could be a nine out of 10 instead of a six out of 10. And the Lord said, no, I'm not taking it away because if I take it away, you'll become prideful. And so he lived with his thorn in the flesh, whatever it was, whether it was eyesight, whether it was literally a thorn in his flesh, whatever it was, he lived with it the rest of his life. The Lord wouldn't take it away so that the Lord would keep him humble, keep him from his own pride. Suffering is a tool for training. Suffering causes us to have continued dependence on God. Lord, I don't know how I'm gonna get up tomorrow. Somebody in the room is in this place right now. It's like, it's just too much. I don't know how I'm going to get up tomorrow. I don't know how I'm going to do it. There's just too much. There's just too much. Now, you'll get up tomorrow, and you'll trust the Lord, and he'll give you strength for tomorrow. Each day has enough adversity of its own. You live faithfully today, and the Lord will give you strength for tomorrow. But sometimes the suffering that we go through causes us to learn to be continually dependent on God. And all you can remember is how good it was six months ago and how awful it is now. Remember, the same God who is allowing you to go through this was the one who took care of you. He's going to bring you through out the other end. And if out the other end means you end up in heaven, woo, you win. But if it takes some time and you go through it and the Lord blesses you, a lady came up to us after the last service and talked about uh, someone we'd been praying for for her and how this little boy who was 10 years old had uh, viral meningitis and they thought he was gonna die at Christmas and they drilled a hole in his head to take the pressure off and the doctors, when it was all done, said, I don't know why he's still alive, but he is. He walked out of the hospital nine days after the surgery and she's just like glowing today. And she said, and you know what? I started a new job and I wasn't sure. And I've worked hard. I've worked hard. I've worked hard. And the Lord dropped something in my lap that I didn't even know was a possibility for me. See, she had suffered and sought to be faithful and prayed through it. And now she sees how God is answering her prayer. She said to her son, who's not a believer, it's not a circumstance. The circumstances were all the things I was trying to do. God did this thing out here that I didn't even see. Sometimes um, we need to learn dependence on God. Sometimes we will have the result of 
the character of Christ or the fruit of the Spirit in us. Here's one of the things I know that's done for me when I've gone through suffering is that it broadens my ministry, the things that we've gone through. Uh, Sue and I are going through the process uh, with her dad, who has not been well. He's been in and out of the hospital in the last four months. He's been in the hospital more than three of the last four months. And one day they couldn't even wake him up. We weren't sure what was going to happen. We didn't know. And we're learning some amazing lessons. See, all three of uh, both of my parents and her mom, they, they, they were awake and alive and vibrant. And the next morning they were gone. And so for the person who has had to suffer through something, I, I could love on them and I could encourage them, but I couldn't empathize with them because I hadn't been through it. And, and now the Lord's allowing us to go through this spilt milk piece in our lives so that we can learn about some things so that we can encourage and help one another. And so if you're in your suffering and it becomes a pity party about, oh no, woe is me. Oh no, woe is me. What's God teaching you so that he can use that in the lives of other people? Sometimes that's why we face the suffering. Suffering has a purpose. Well, verses 17 and 18 bring us back to the now. He says, for it's time for judgment to begin at the household of God. It's now. It's right now. It's time. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous are scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? What's Peter really trying to do here? What's he trying to accomplish here? The suffering that we go through now for the follower of Christ, as difficult as it might be, is leading to something far greater for us and a far more amazing hope for us. And God is going to do a work that we won't really understand until we stand before him in glory. Um, over in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 to 18, write down this text, and you might want to memorize these verses. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, all the stuff we have in this world right now, for this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. What we're going to go through, as hard as it might be, is going to be put over against what God is going to do in glory for us. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. So back to what Peter was talking about. And he says, it's time for judgment. Just for the now. Because something far greater is coming. But then he goes to this. It begins with the household of God. It's for all of us. It's for the world, but this judgment that we go through is for the household of God. And then look where he goes and look what he says. If it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? So we go through our suffering. We go through what we go through here on earth. And we're like, how awful this is. Oh no, this is terrible. But when we die, we'll stand before God and he will say, well done, good and faithful servant. And we'll spend eternity with God in heaven, worshiping the King of Kings. But what happens to the person who rejects the gospel of Jesus Christ? What happens to them? The person who just says, yeah, I don't need that. I'm good enough. I'm gonna try on my own. I'll get to God. I'll get to God on my way, on my terms and my path. I'll work it out. 
He's saying, like, you understand how bad suffering is for us on this earth. Don't lose sight of the person who's going to reject the gospel of Jesus Christ and how terrible separation from God for eternity in a place called hell is going to be. So allow your suffering to be a teaching tool in your own life to give you a passion for people who don't know Christ. And if you're here and you don't know Christ, listen carefully to these words. The suffering we have on this earth is nothing compared to what's coming for the person who rejects Christ. The next verse is an interesting one. It says, uh, and if the righteous are scarcely saved, uh-oh, uh-oh, am I, am I just going to kind of squeak in? It's just like the skin of my teeth, I'm going to make it into heaven. Is that what he's saying here? If the righteous are scarcely saved, well, here, first of all, he doesn't say you're not saved, right? Righteous people are saved. Even in this verse, they're saved. So, but it's not like, so we're going to get up to heaven, we're going to get to the gate, and it's going to be like, well, I'm not sure you're going to make it. And Peter's going to come up behind you and kind of push you through the door to get you in because you just weren't quite good enough on your own. It's not what it's saying at all. The New American Standard does it best, says this. And if it's with difficulty, that's what he's talking about. The whole thing is about suffering. The whole thing is about the pain. The whole thing is about the, and he's using this picture of what we go through on this earth and that we are saved, but even through the difficulty, we are saved. That's the hope of the believer. What will become the ungodly? What will become of the ungodly and of the sinner? Even with our suffering, even as hard as it's going to be, we're going to be saved. We're going to be saved. We're going to be in heaven. But what's going to happen to the ungodly? And if you're here today, and you've heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, and you've heard it over and over and over again, these verses are for you. What's going to happen to you? You have to come to grips with the reality of who Jesus Christ is and what he did for you and what the cost of rejecting him is. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. There's no other way. There's no other way. Your goodness won't get you. Some other path's not going to get you. Jesus said, I am the way. That's pretty exclusive, isn't it? It's totally exclusive. It's what Jesus said. It's what we believe. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You reject the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be separated from him for eternity. Isn't that kind of a harsh message? I'm telling you, I'm warning you so that it won't happen to you. Even though our suffering seems so hard, it's going to be worse. It's going to be worse, but Jesus Christ came to seek and to save that which is lost. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. At the 11 o'clock service last week, um, someone brought a young man up to me and said that uh, he wanted to trust Christ. He wanted to be saved. And we sat down on that front pew right over there where you guys are and, and he prayed and he put his faith in Jesus Christ alone for his salvation. He's one of those guys like me who's working our way through all this stuff, growing up in Jesus Christ. We're not perfect people. We're just as lame as the next guy. The difference is we've been saved through the finished work of Jesus Christ. What Jesus Christ did, what he accomplished on the cross, he paid a price I couldn't pay. I owed a debt. I owed a debt. I can't pay for my sin, but he did. And I believe in Christ and the finished work of Christ, his righteousness, all of it put on me. I don't deserve that. And all of my sin put on him. 
He doesn't deserve that. But he did it so that I could be saved and so you can be saved. Accept the fact that you're a sinner. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You turn in your repentance and faith and you follow Christ. Perfectly? Of course not. But growing, uh, Ed talked about it so well in the baptism when he talked about this kind of the first steps of sanctification. Sanctification is how we walk in Christ. There's not one of us in the room that would ever claim to be a perfect Christian. At least me, I'm not. If you, you can, I'm not. Because I'm, I'm stumbling all over the place. But the Lord Jesus Christ and his faithfulness and his love, he picks me up and he restores me. He doesn't save me over and over again. That happened at the cross. But as my growing up in Christ happens every day. You've never trusted Christ. Trust Christ today. And you begin the journey. You begin the walk. We heard about in those testimonies we heard earlier. As God works in us for his glory. Accept, believe, confess with your mouth. You can't pay for it. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. The Lord Jesus did it all for us. Well, what's the last This is so what? So what? Look at verse 19. Therefore, you know, whenever there's a therefore in scripture, stop and look and see. It's a a pivot. There's a transition happening. He says, therefore, as a result of all that I have just said, is what he's saying. Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will for righteousness sake, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Who's in charge? Who is our hope? He takes it right back to the fact that God is the creator of all, the one who put the stars in place, the one who formed it all, the one who created us in the image, the one who sent his son, the creator of all. That's the one who our trust is in. When we're going through the hard time, that's where our hope is. And so continue to do God's will, continue to serve him, continue to do good and be faithful And watch how God works and see his glory shine in your life. The God who is sovereign, the one who is in control. 1 Peter 3, 17 says this. For it's better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. Be faithful. Serve Christ. He suffered for you. I will suffer for his glory best I can with God's strength. Sometime, somewhere, somehow, someone. With God's help, with God's help, we'll have strength to suffer for the glory of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for your word. Thank you for this passage. Thank you for the the way it tunes us to who you are and what you did. Lord, make us faithful followers of Jesus Christ, the Lord. Lord, everyone in this world suffers, the believer and the non-believer. It's a result of sin, the rain that falls on the just and the unjust. But how we go through the difficult things, well, how we go through the dark times, will they glorify Jesus Christ, the Lord? Lord, break us of ourselves and give us a passion to be like Jesus, our Savior. We pray these things in his name. Amen.